This podcast is supported by anonymous friends of George Washington's Mount Vernon. Hello and welcome to Intertwined Stories. I'm Jim Ambusky. And I'm Jeanette Patrick. In this mini-series, we're taking a deeper dive into the history behind the podcast, Intertwined, the enslaved community at George Washington's Mount Vernon. To create that show, we interviewed over 20 scholars, some of whom are descendants of Mount Vernon's enslaved community, for over an hour each. We couldn't fit everything into the main series, so we're happy to bring you extended versions of some of those conversations now. The Quandra family can trace its roots in Virginia and Maryland back to the early 17th century. This family became part of the Mount Vernon story in the early 19th century, when a free black man named Charles Quander married Nancy Carter, a woman formerly enslaved by George Washington. But the connection didn't end there. In more recent times, family members have played key roles in interpreting the history of slavery at Mount Vernon and reconstructing the long history of the Quander family in America. In one of our final interviews for Intertwined, we talked to Judge Rohamin Quander about his family's history, his efforts to preserve it, and the work that remains to be done. This is our final episode of Intertwined Stories and the last of the entire Intertwined series. On behalf of our entire team, Jeanette and I want to thank you very much for joining us on this journey. But as Judge Quander reminds us in this episode, there is so much more to the story, and there is more work to be done. But yeah, so could you just begin by introducing yourself? My name is Rahul Amin Quander, and I am the president and founder of the Quanta Historical and Educational Society. This um, organization was founded in 1985. A lot of people don't realize it was that far back, but it was to document, preserve, educate, and share the information that we had gathered together about the Quanta family history and to try to put it in a reasonably decent order and in one or two particular places. So that a lot of this and a lot of that, what this person knew, that person knew, let's pull this together and see if we can make something out of it. And it grew out of the fact that the family had been celebrating reunions, organized structured reunions in the Virginia side since 1926. And as went on and developed a little more, we found out that the Maryland side of the Quandos we're not having so-called structured reunions, but they have been having a number of events. It actually went back uh, into the late 19th century. So it was important to put some, some structure onto what was going on. And it was not designed to promote ourselves or be better than anybody else, but we needed to recognize ourselves as ourselves. And to the extent we wanted to share and preserve uh, African-American history. This was coming out in the era, not too far after Roots, so many people say, oh, that's already been done. Well, no, there are many different stories. And our story was to tell American history, and not necessarily African-American or Black history, American history from an African-American perspective. So if I remembered your family tree correctly, you are related to Gladys Quander? I am related to Gladys Quander Tassel through the Quander line, but it's a distant relationship. Could you tell us who she was and the important role she played in Mount Vernon as the first African-American interpreter? Yes, Gladys Quander Tansel was born on the farm, which is part of the Quander Road area in 1921. And uh, after marrying uh, Mr. Tansel and having a career in the federal government, when she was near retirement, she started helping out at Mount Vernon 
when the Mount Vernon ladies would come uh, twice or whatever number of times a year, they would come to uh, have the meetings. And her mother, she was a domestic working at Mount Vernon as a cleaning lady. So when they would have the Mount Vernon ladies, Gladys would take off a couple of days from her federal job. She was a great cook. She'd be down there four or five days and she'd be preparing breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever it was and helping out with whatever needed to be. She did that for off and on uh, for a few years as she retired. And then after she'd been doing that for a while, she was called in by one of the site people. And would she be interested in training to become a certified interpreter? And she said yes. So when she retired, and I think it was 2001, when she retired, she had 35 years of Mount Vernon, 25 of which were devoted to being an interpreter guide. And she died in uh, November 2001. She did the very first tours of the African-American tours, and she was a sounding board. There have been articles in the paper that have highlighted her, etc. The ladies were very, very afraid to talk about the issue of slavery and the pushback and the concept, and they wanted to know what Gladys thought. And Gladys was uh, outspoken. She was not disrespectful. When people would ask her if George Washington was a good slaveholder, she would stop them in mid-sentence and say, wait a minute, good and slaveholder don't belong in the same sentence. And she would tell him just like he was. If you want to go according to uh, ratings, he was better than some and worse than others. <laughs> and then, of course, she would talk about uh, the relentless pursuit of trying to get owner judge back and Hercules, and then also desiring not to split families, but when he felt necessary, sending somebody off to the West Indies and never to be seen again. So she said, you can't put all of that in and talk about being good, but at the same time on the overall scale, perhaps better than most. And so that was the best answer. And uh, she was known and respected for being that. And she was often requested when the tour was coming, uh, when she was working, not every day, uh, they would call and say, well, so-and-so group is coming and that's your day off, but are you available to work? And she would oftentimes do it. I'm wondering how your uh, legal training and your experience in the law has shaped your research process, has shaped how you've worked to build relationships with the MVLA and other organizations to make you know appropriate changes and needed changes and to bring these kind of new stories to light. Well, I guess the answer is blood, sweat, and tears. When I started this, I was still in law school. I graduated in 69. And of course, there was no internet. There were no cell phones. So you had to go to the original source. And I went down to the uh, Maryland Hall of Records on a regular basis. I went to the Fairfax County Archives, which is in the courthouse for the archives section regularly. Uh, my cousin Loretta Carter Haynes, she and I compared and contrasted notes, supported each other a lot. So it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears looking and looking and looking. Now, the big advantage we have is the name Quander is not like the name Smith or another more common name. So one thing I did in my research, some of it, I, I worked backwards. If I found the name Quander isolated somewhere, I would research and see how I could connect that name backwards to somebody else named Quander. So you might have the tail wagging the dog. It was a name sitting out there somewhere. You didn't know where it fit but you made a note of where it was. And over the years, accumulated uh, many, many pieces of information and also a visibility. And uh, when we 
burst, I call it burst on the scene in 1984 with our tricentennial. There were so many people in town that knew somebody named Kwanda, but had no idea about the, our history because it had never been showcased before. Even a lot of the members of the family were not particularly uh, talking about it. And a lot of them didn't even know because when we got, when I got into research in Loretta Carter Haynes and other people, we found things that, that had not been passed down, had been forgotten. But the tie is the name Henry. We have more than 20 people with the first name of Henry between Maryland and Virginia, and through the years, including the name Henrietta. So it's not only the name Quander, it's the name Henry, Henry Quander, and Charles Henry Quander, and John Henry Quander. So all of this was subject to tying it together over time. And when I wrote the book, I had a copy editor working with me and she said, you know, there's so much here, you can't possibly put all of it in there. And I said, you're absolutely right. But what I did, my drafts are quite large. Some of it is stored and some of it will be stored at the Howard University Moreland Smingon Research Center. So when somebody wants to know, well, is there more to the story? Are there more details? The answer is yes. So now that you have literally written the book about your family, are you still researching Quander family history? Well, yes, the answer is that some things have shown up that were not in the book, that were discovered after the book came out. Uh, some of the Ancestry.com things have come up. We've had a lady, Sarah Quander. Who was she? Where did she come from? And how did she fit in here? Turns out she was Charles Quander's mother. Charles Quander is the one who married Nancy Carter. So uh, we found out where she was. We found out approximately when Charles died. This came out as a result of this book where people turn up with other pieces of information. We've also discovered a number of relatives that didn't know anything about us, but they knew they were descended from Mount Vernon. And we formed a, uh, an association, the League of Mount Vernon Descendants. And uh, we are working, as a, it's a new organization, but we wanna make that a, a meaningful entity because it's important for those of us, and we are not all literate descended, but our families are. Uh, we wanna make it clear, not in an adversarial way, but make it clear to the Mount Vernon Ladies Association, and I don't want them to forget that th this community is an integral part of Mount Vernon. It was our home, just the same as it was George Washington's home. Do you have any personal hopes or ideas that you would you know, like to see this new group form or, you know, that you would like Mount Vernon to think about doing? What I would like them to, and they're doing it, is to make sure that it is understood that the integral operation of not only Mount Vernon, but Mount Pelia, Monticello, uh, and all these other great places were done with the labor, the free labor, if you will, on the backs of men and women who got no compensation. So I think that message is coming through. It needs to be perhaps reinforced, which is a balance because as a tour guide and a licensed tour guide at that, I take groups and some are delighted to hear and others are hostile because they don't want to know about it. I had a lady tell me, I'm not interested in any of that black stuff. I said, that's interesting. <laughs> I said, I'm not talking about black history. I'm a lady, I'm talking about American history. This building, the United States Capitol building, did just show up one day. Uh, there were over 400 enslaved Africans and others too, who built that building between 1790s and 1860s. So you just cannot say 
that it's not part of American history. The awareness that has been raised and created needs to be maintained and taken to other places. We need to get our younger people involved in realizing that our nation is changing in many different ways. And we see responsible, credible people of color emerging all over the place in all of the professions. And the message is that the people who ran these places, whether in the enslaved capacity, they were always there building day to day. And writing in the book, you see how we turn from laborers in, in the field to uh, cooks and porters and then driving hacks, which are taxis, we call those taxis. And next thing you know, somebody has gone to school. They didn't get a college degree, but they got a teaching certificate. And they built upon that. And now we have in the Quanda family, we have four generals, four. And no African-American family has four generals. Three of them are retired. We have two Tuskegee Airmen. We have so many teachers. The first national president of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, if you've heard of it, uh, was Nellie Quander. And she is a direct descendant of West Ford. And she was with the group of people who worked to help Carter G. Woodson establish Negro History Week, who's now Black History Month. She was a leading suffragette. The New York Times did a big article that featured eight suffragettes, seven women and one man, Frederick Douglass. And when they featured the seven women, Nellie Quanda was one of them, and of course she's dead. So they came to me, and I was on the—I was one of the featured people in that article. I'm not bragging or anything, but I serve as a knowledge base and a consultant. And I'm not going to be here forever. God spares life. Uh, I'm pushing 78, not there yet, but I'm getting there. And I realize that we we have a, a mission because young people are not interested in it. It takes a while for them to get there. And some of these people will be 50 years old and say, you remember that old, what's his name again? Uh, had a real funny first name. Yeah, he knew all that stuff. I sure wish I sat down and talked to him and get some of that. That's why I do as much as I can and put it in writing and store it. And time being what it is, uh, I know nothing will last forever, including me. So <laughs> I'm trying to get this done. So I'm just so pleased to have had this opportunity. Hope I didn't wear you all out. Intertwined Stories, a production of the Mount Vernon Ladies Association and CD Squared. I'm Jeanette Patrick. And I'm Jim Ambusky, and we're your hosts and producers for this episode. We co-created and co-wrote the main series, Intertwined, The Enslaved Community at George Washington's Mount Vernon. Brenda Parker brought it to life as our wonderful narrator, and Kurt Dahl of CD Squared was our lead producer and audio engineer. Thank you to the anonymous friends of George Washington's Mount Vernon, whose generous financial support made this show possible. Please rate and review Intertwined on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear what you think, and it will help more people find the series. And remember to check out our website for full transcripts, teacher resources, and suggested readings. You'll find us at www.georgewashingtonpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.